We open the scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Read once more this chapter with which we have become very familiar. And tonight we focus on the second to last verse, verse 12, which will be the text. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Once again, verse 12 is what we focus on. For now we see through a glass darkly, But then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are almost to the end of our series on the Bible's exquisite chapter on Christian love, that greatest of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit works in the heart of the believer. We've gotten through the first two of the three sections of this chapter, verses 1 and 2 and 3, you'll remember, is the section in which the Apostle sets forth the supremacy of love. That it is the gift which makes all other spiritual gifts fruitful, the gift without which no other gift can profit. And the heart of the chapter, verses 4 through 7, is the Spirit's beautiful painting of the portrait of love, setting before us the attitudes and actions of love, whereby true Christian spirit-wrought love is identified and distinguished from anything else that would claim to be love. Now we have gotten into the third and final section of the chapter, verses 8 through 13, where the Apostles' focus shifts a bit, To the everlasting nature of love. And as he looks at the everlasting nature of love. The spirit as it were leads him up to the heights. And the apostle begins expounding wonderful things about the age and the world and the life that is to come. Heaven. Where this gift of love given now will then be made perfect. And will characterize The life of God's people in glory. Now verse 12 is a part of that section. Verse 12 is maybe a little different than the other verses in the chapter. In that it focuses especially on knowledge. But you you readily see the connection there with love. Knowledge and love go together. When we know God truly, we love Him. And in loving Him, we know Him. And know Him more and more. Often in scriptures, in the scriptures, to know someone means 
to deeply love them. When you deeply love someone, there is an intimate knowledge of that person. So it is here, the Apostle is lifted up to the heights by the Spirit, and the words of this text now lift us up to the heights and speak to us wonderful things about what heaven is going to be like when we will know God perfectly in love. Really what verse 12 does here is it sets up before us a startling and a marvelous comparison and contrast. A comparison and a contrast between now and then. You'll notice the repetition of those two words, now and then. Now referring to this life, this world, this present age, and then referring to the age to come, heavenly glory, and ultimately the new creation in which we will spend eternity in covenant fellowship with our God. Now and then. And the apostle compares and contrasts how we know God now with how we shall know Him then. And brings out many marvelous, wonderful truths about the glory of life everlasting. And so we're going to enter into this verse tonight under the theme, Knowing God Now and Then. First, we're going to look at the now, and then secondly at the then, and then we will conclude with a few applications until, that is, for life, now, until, then. The text begins by setting before us a figure that illustrates for us the way in which we know God here and now in this world. The text says, for now we see through a glass darkly. The question that first presents itself to us is, what is this glass about which the text is speaking? We see through a glass darkly, and the idea is not a window The idea is not a piece of glass through which we look so that we see something on the other side of that piece of glass. But rather, the word glass in the text refers to a looking glass, that is a mirror. Now likely the apostle had in mind not a piece of glass as we know it, but a piece of polished bronze or metal. Many mirrors in the ancient world of Paul's day were made of metal, polished brass, that were placed upon a table or hung upon a wall. But that polished metal served as a functional mirror. It worked well. You could see in it a decent reflection of yourself as you look into that mirror. That's what the text is talking about. The glass here is a mirror. And we all understand the purpose of a mirror. A mirror is for the purpose of seeing a reflection, particularly seeing the reflection of someone's face, either yours or the face of another person who is in the room. And that's the figure. That's what we are to have in mind here. Now we see through a glass darkly. That is, right now we see in a mirror darkly. We see a reflection. Whose reflection? Well, sometimes the Bible speaks about seeing our own reflection in a mirror, but that's not the idea here. The idea here is that in this mirror, we see the reflection of God. We see God's reflection, and that's clear from the parallelism in verse 12. There are two parallel statements. First, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And now this parallel statement. Now I know in part. Seeing and knowing are parallel. Referring to the same thing. Who do we see and know? Well, as the end of the verse says, the one who knows us. And clearly the text there is talking about God. So the figure in the text here is some sort of mirror in which we see the reflection of God and that is how we know Him now. Particularly, we see the reflection of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's especially where we see God. 2 Corinthians 
chapter 4 verse 6 says this, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. A mirror into which we look. And in that mirror we see a reflection of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the figure. Now, the crucial question that is yet to be answered is this. What is the mirror? For certainly there is no piece of glass or piece of metal into which we can look and see the face of Jesus Christ. What is the one and only looking glass in which we can see God's reflection? And the answer to that question clearly is the Word of God. In Paul's day, when he was inspired to write this epistle, that would have been the Old Testament scriptures, as well as the apostolic preaching that the Spirit was inspiring at that time, some of which would have ended up In the scriptures, the epistles that Paul wrote that we have today. So in Paul's day, the Old Testament scriptures, for our purposes, the complete Bible. The Bible is the mirror about which the text speaks. The mirror in which we see the reflection of God in the face of Jesus Christ, who is herein revealed. To be sure, we can see something of God, a reflection of sorts of his divinity and power as we survey the work of his hands in the creation. But the mirror spoken about in this text is not the creation. Because while the creation testifies to the power of God, the creation all by itself does not reveal Jesus Christ. Though the creation testifies of God so much so that the unbelieving are without excuse... There is only one place where you can see the face of God in Jesus Christ, and that's in His Word, the Bible. Proof, then, for identifying the mirror as the Word of God. The first part of our proof comes from that word darkly in the text. We'll get into what that means in more detail later, but let's notice for our purposes right now, that that word darkly can be translated a dark saying. The idea is a spoken word. This mirror is a spoken word. In what spoken word can you learn about God, the Bible, His revelation? But decisive proof comes from elsewhere in the scriptures. For example, James 1 verses 23 through 25 speaks about the law of God as a mirror in which we look and see the visage, the face of our sinful nature. But there you have a similar figure, the word of God, the law in particular, being described as a mirror. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's a detailed verse. But in the context, Paul is explaining how the Jews of his day didn't understand the Old Testament Scriptures. They had a veil over their eyes. They would read the Old Testament, but they did not see Christ in the Old Testament. But for God's people, the New Testament church, New Testament believers who have the Spirit, that veil has been removed. And we read the Scriptures, and we look at those Scriptures as looking into a glass. And what do we see? We see Jesus Christ. The glory of the Lord. And so... This looking glass, this mirror, is the Word of God. It is the mirror that God Himself has given us, so that we may see His reflection in it. And by seeing His reflection in the face of Jesus Christ revealed therein, come to know Him, truly know Him. The Bible is the New Testament believer's spiritual mirror by which we see the reflection of God. Now when we think about this figure a little more, we can see how a mirror is a fitting figure for the Word of God, for the Bible. 
in the first place. A mirror gives an accurate portrayal of the person who is reflected in it. Now, to be sure, a broken mirror or a mirror with curvatures in it will distort an image. But nonetheless, a mirror that is in good condition will give an accurate reflection. And so it is with the Scriptures. God has given us His Word, and His Word is an accurate Word. The image of God that we see in the face of Jesus Christ revealed in the Gospel is accurate, and it is true. We are given here in the Bible an accurate glimpse into the heart of God, into the mind of God, into His eternal plan for the redemption of His people. The Scriptures give us true knowledge of God. In the second place, the scriptures are sufficient, meaning they provide us with all we need to know for faith and for life. A mirror gives a sufficient image of a person. If you see the reflection of someone in a mirror, that reflection is sufficient for you to have a grasp of what that person looks like. A true and a real grasp of what they are like. So it is with the scripture. Sufficient. The scriptures are clear, are clear. A mirror gives a clear reflection, a far clearer reflection than, say, a shadow or a silhouette. Looking at someone's shadow or someone's silhouette, you won't know anything about them. But seeing their reflection in a mirror gives you a clear perception of what they look like, who they are. So it is with the scriptures. The scriptures are not the shadow or the silhouette of God, but a mirror which reveals to us, gives us a clear reflection of God. That doesn't mean that every passage of the Bible is equally clear. To be sure, a passage like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is more easily understood than Ezekiel's visions. And yet, nonetheless, the Bible on the whole is clear. And the overarching message of the Bible is clear. And even those difficult passages can be understood by interpreting them by means of the clearer passages in Scripture. It's the great Reformation doctrine of the clarity of the Word of God. God is a God of truth. And as a God of truth, He gives us His truth in a way that can be clearly understood. But now, the real point of this figure is that a mirror only gives us a reflection. While it is an accurate reflection, a reflection is still only a reflection, not the reality. If you see someone's reflection in a mirror, you don't start talking to that reflection, but rather you turn and talk to the person who is there. A reflection may give an accurate portrayal of someone, but it is still only a reflection. And that's the point Paul is making now. He says, now, here and now, in this life, we see through a glass darkly. We have been given the word of God by which we know God. And yet, it's just a mirror. We see God in it, but we see through a glass darkly. And now we come back to that word darkly and pull apart what it means a little bit more. I said a moment ago that you could translate it as a dark saying. That would be a literal rendering of that word. The word in the Greek is really enigma. The Greek word that we get our word enigma from. And an enigma is a riddle. A saying that is very deep. Not dark from the perspective of being wicked or dark in any way like that, but deep. We can't get to the bottom of it. And that's that's the Scriptures. That's the Word of God. And that's why the next part of the text says that we know God now in part. And that harkens back to the preceding verses. Paul has already discussed that. How our knowledge of God in this present life is only in part. And now verse 12 adds more to that. Here and now, we see God. We really do. We see His reflection. The reflection of the face of Jesus Christ in the Gospel. But it's a glimpse of a reflection. If the knowledge of God were to be likened unto the Pacific Ocean, we're just floating on the top, looking down a few feet into those depths. We know Him only in part. It's not because God has given us a broken mirror. 
On the contrary, God has designed this mirror of the word to be exactly what we need. It is well suited to us. But the imperfection of our knowledge is rather due to us. In the first place, our sinfulness. Our sinfulness gets in the way of seeing clearly. On account of our sinfulness, we see God's reflection darkly and dimly. Sin darkens the mind. Sin dulls our spiritual senses. Indeed, apart from grace, we would be utterly blind. Now, as Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, the Spirit has enlightened the eyes of our understanding so that we can know God and understand spiritual things. But nonetheless, as long as we are here and now, our spiritual vision is dim. Our sinfulness clouds our eyes and casts fog on that mirror. We can see and yet... We see dimly and darkly. In the second place, there is our own creaturely limitations. That's also part of why we know only in part and only see through a glass darkly. Our creaturely limitations, we are of the earth earthy. We have a limited capacity to comprehend the spiritual things of God. The Bible gives us the truth of God in human language. It gives us truth that is accommodated to our earthiness. That doesn't mean that God changes the truth or that God gives us untruth. Of course not. But as Calvin once said, God lisps in the Scriptures. Meaning, in a way, He baby talks to us. We can think about it this way. God, our Father brings the truth down to our human level. Much the way a parent explains a complicated concept to his or her child in simple terms that that child can understand. That's what God does in the Bible. And that's part of why the Bible is full of so many pictures. That's part of why Jesus taught in parables. Going back to the preceding verses, while we are in this life, in this world now, We are still, from a certain point of view, spiritual children who need pictures, who need things explained simply, and that's what the Bible does. Our own creaturely limitations means that now we can see God, but only through a glass darkly, only in part. And then you put those two together. Our present state, the reality that we are fallen creatures, we can't handle anything more than the reflection of God. That's all we can handle right now. Think back to the Exodus. Remember the story of when Moses asked to see God's face? Exodus 33:18, Moses says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And God responds a couple of verses later in verse 20, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And so if you read on in that chapter, God takes Moses and hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and covers Moses with his hand while God's glory passes by. And we're told there that Moses does not see God's face, but Moses catches a glimpse of God's back. And that was enough to make Moses' face shine so brightly that he had to veil his face in the presence of the Israelites. Right now, as we are now fallen creatures of the earth, earthy, a reflection of God in the face of Jesus Christ in the Bible is all we can handle. And thus the mirror of the scriptures is accommodated to us in that way too that it is for our protection. We need this word here and now. In this word, God shows us himself in a reflection which we can handle. And by that reflection, we know him. And so we see then that here and now, we know God by means of his word. And that means we know Him not directly, but indirectly through the mediation, through the means of His Word. 
our knowledge of God is only through this mirror. We know Him at a distance, you might say. Now yes, it is true, God is present with us by His Word and Spirit. And in the New Testament, He is very close to us, for His Spirit dwells in our hearts. And yet, there is a reality of distance, is there not? He does not yet fully dwell with us in perfection, nor we with Him. That is to come. He is in heaven. We are on earth. And these two are not yet one. As we sang earlier, we pray transcending distance. And that's a wonder of the gift of prayer. But there's that distance. We still must transcend. As as 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6 says, Whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We see through a glass darkly. We know only in part. Our knowledge of God is not yet full. Not yet perfect. It is an enigma you might say. In comparison to what it shall be. Then. Then. Now we get to the second part of the text. The then. The apostle here brings forth the great contrast. Between knowing God now and knowing God then. How we know God now is a marvel, is a wonder. Indeed, it is a wonder of grace that we know Him at all. But the way we know Him now pales in comparison to how we will know Him then. Then in the age to come. Then in heaven. Then in the new creation. Then at the day of Jesus Christ. And eternity thereafter. Then, the text says, we shall see Him. Not through a glass darkly, but face to face. Then we shall know Him, not in part. But we shall know Him even as we are known. Let's look into what these two statements Reveal. Face to face. That's contrasted with through a glass. This expression face to face in the scripture conveys a couple of very warm and powerful ideas. In the first place, it conveys the idea of direct, warm, personal communication. When you see a reflection in a mirror... You don't have the same level of communication as when you sit down with someone and look across the table and stare into their eyes and speak to them face to face. So we're told in Deuteronomy 34 verse 10 about Moses and the unique place that he occupied among God's prophets. There arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses Whom the Lord knew face to face. And the idea there is that God spoke in a very direct way to Moses. You think of Mount Sinai. Where Moses went up into the mountain. And he received the word of God. He received the Ten Commandments from God himself. There was a directness there. That few others ever had. But even that face to face that Moses had is nothing in comparison with the face-to-face that the text here is talking about. Remember, Moses could not look God in the face. The most Moses ever got was a glimpse of God's back as the glory of God passed by. But the face-to-face about which our text is speaking is this kind of face-to-face. Standing in the immediate presence of God, looking Him directly in the face, and speaking to Him, and hearing Him speak directly to you. Then, face-to-face, that mirror, that mirror that we had and that mirror that we needed through the entirety of our earthly life, that mirror is gone. There's no purpose for a mirror when you are face-to-face. Then, face to face, direct, warm, personal communication. And flowing from that comes the the second main idea that this phrase communicates. And that's, face to face conveys warm, close, personal communion, fellowship, lived relationship, friendship. 
Back to the biblical example of Moses. Exodus 33 verse 11 says this of Moses. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Then we shall see God face to face. We shall speak with God face to face. Hear His voice. Commune with Him directly without any, anything getting between us. Not even the mirror of the Word. Again, this Word is so very useful and so very precious to us right now. It is the letter our God has written to us. We readily recognize reading a loved one's letters pales in comparison to sitting down and talking with them face to face. This is now. And it's a beautiful now. And we need this now. But then, face to face. And as we think about that, maybe we wonder, how will we be able to see the face of God in heaven? Right now, we cannot see the face of God and live because we are fallen, sinful creatures. But even in heavenly glory, how will we see the face of God? For we will still be creatures, and He is the invisible God. The face of Jesus Christ. We know God now by seeing the face of Jesus Christ in this mirror, and we shall know God in the age to come by seeing Jesus face to face. As John 1 verse 18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared, that has revealed Him. Colossians 1 verse 15 says, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. He is the Word made flesh. In whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Colossians 2.9 The fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily and therefore visibly. Jesus himself said in John 14 verse 9 He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Jesus is The face of God. He is Emmanuel. God with us. And this is part of how He is God with us. He has assumed our flesh. He has become man. He is fully God and fully man. In order that forevermore He might be the face of God to us. When we look at the face of the incarnate Christ in glory. We will see through the face of Jesus Christ into the heart Of the triune God. And in the face of Jesus Christ. Face to face with Christ. We shall know God. That's another aspect of the wonder of the incarnation. Jesus did not only take on our flesh. In order to die in our flesh. To pay for our sins. Yes he did that. That was very important. But Jesus did not shed our human nature after he suffered and died in it. The way a snake sheds its skin when that skin is no longer needed and has grown old. But Jesus kept the human nature that he assumed. He arose with a glorified human nature. He he ascended and is exalted in our human nature that forever he might be the face. The face of God to us. You know someone. By knowing them face to face. You see into their heart. Into their mind. By looking them in the face. God created the face to be the revelation of the person. To be a window into the heart. The face expresses emotion. Conveys attitude. That's why facial expressions can say even more than the spoken word. Jesus is the face of God. Now we see through a glass darkly. We see his reflection. But then, and this is the most wonderful part about the then, we shall see Jesus face to face. And in seeing Jesus face to face, we shall see God. 
And thus, the last part of the text, seeing God face to face, I will know Him even as I am known. That's the opposite of our partial knowledge here and now. That is perfect, complete, full, rich knowledge. Not just the knowledge of the mind, the intellectual knowledge, but the knowledge of the heart that brims with the warmth of love. It is loving, knowing, perfect knowledge. It's quite a statement here in the last part of the text, isn't it? We will know God as we are known by Him. How does God know you? He knows you perfectly. He knows you thoroughly. He sees into the innermost recesses of your heart. He knows everything about you because He made you. He has immediate knowledge of you. He doesn't need to study you. He doesn't need a reflection. He doesn't need to use any means. He knows you immediately. That is without any means. Psalm 139 verses 1 and 6 put it beautifully and poetically how God knows His people. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me such Knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. That's how God knows us. And the text is saying we will know God in the same way. Now understand, that doesn't mean we are going to know God exhaustively or exactly in the same way as He knows us. That's impossible. We are finite. We have limitations. We are creatures. We can never know all there is to know about God. We will never have the penetrating spiritual vision that God has so that we can see into the deepest depths of His being the way that He sees into the deepest recesses of our hearts. Yet nonetheless, the way that we know God will be like how He knows us, but in a creaturely way and in a creaturely measure. We will be intimately acquainted with Him and all of His ways. We will understand His thoughts like never before. We shall know Him with complete clarity, without error, without confusion. So many of those things that didn't make sense about God or His ways with us here and now will make sense then. And we will have eternity to grow ever deeper in the rich knowledge of God. We shall know Him intimately. Because we will be face to face with Jesus Christ. We'll walk with Him. Talk with Him. What was said of Moses in Exodus 33.11 That the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. That's just a shadow of what we will experience then, then. You see how this text takes us to the heights? The then of the text. Seeing God face to face in the face of Jesus Christ, knowing Him even as we are known by Him, that's heaven. That's eternal life. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12 gives us a glimpse into what I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath it entered into the heart of man to conceive. This is what heaven will be like. Face to face. God. Seeing. Talking. Being with Him face to face. Without being destroyed. Being able to bear it. Because we shall see Him in the face of Jesus Christ. And we at last shall be made perfect. With no more sin. 
Nothing to alienate or estrange us from God. In heaven, no more separation. We will be brought fully into God's presence and into conformity with His will. We shall abide before His face. That's heaven. And God will dwell with us. He will make His tabernacle with men. He shall be our God. We shall be His people. The Lamb will be in the midst of us. The Lamb will be the light in the Father's house of many mansions. The face of God among us. That's heaven. That's the heart of heaven. Seeing God face to face. Knowing Him as I am known of Him. And now, don't overlook that first person pronoun at the end of the text. Then shall I know, even as I am known, I. You're not going to get lost in the crowd in heaven. Sometimes maybe people wonder that. Among the the countless throng of saints. Can you get lost in the crowd? Can it really be? I will have a warm, personal Knowledge and relationship of love and friendship with Jesus Christ and my God? Yes. The inspired apostle was confident of that. He speaks of that that using I. I shall know as even I am known of God. Personal. Maybe you get lost in the crowd here below. Maybe in this life you feel you're someone other people don't really care about. You're unnoticed. Never will it be that way in heaven. You'll never be lost, cared for, unnoticed in glory. You will be face to face with Jesus. And God will never again hide His face. Face to face, the text says, Part of the idea is continuously, unendingly face to face. The mirror is temporary. We need it now, but now is quickly passing away. Now must give way to then. And then does not have an end. Then face to face. God will never turn His face away. He will never turn His face in displeasure. Eternally, God will lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you peace and joy. That's the everlasting benediction of heaven. Does it make you excited? For then? You really can't wait. For then, can we? But we're here and now. So how do we live? Now until then. Does the text have anything to say to that? The apostle has contrasted beautifully. Now we see through a glass darkly. We know God in part. Then we shall see him face to face. And know him even as we are known. But what about now until then? While our text does not explicitly address that, there are implications that we can draw out. Especially in light of the last verse of the text, which sets before us the three cardinal Christian graces, faith, hope, and love. How are we called to live in light of this truth? How are we called to live now until then in faith, hope, and love? Now until then, live in faith, walk by faith. And a big part of that is, keep looking in the mirror. As long as we are here and now, as long as we are on the pilgrim journey to then... Until we get there, we need the mirror of God's Word. Because here in the mirror is where you see the reflection of Christ, which is sufficient for you here and now. 
Let us not become distracted with the philosophies and the riches of this world and all of the other things that want to tear our eyes and tear our hearts away from what can only be seen in the mirror of the Word of God. There is nothing more beautiful, nothing more precious, nothing more eternally valuable than the knowledge of God which can be found only in the mirror of the Scriptures. Glue your spiritual eyes to the mirror and never stop beholding the reflection of Jesus Christ. As we are in the Word, beholding the face of Christ God works by His Spirit, by means of that faith, to prepare us for heavenly glory when we shall see Him face to face. If we go back to a verse we referenced earlier in the sermon, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. But we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass, talking about beholding in the Scriptures the glory of the Lord... What's the effect? We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit uses the means of the Word, the means of the Gospel, to work in us throughout our Christian life and journey, more and more to conform us to the image that we behold in the mirror, making us more and more Christ-like, preparing us, The day that He will take us into the Father's house in perfection. Keep looking in the mirror of the Word. Don't doubt, don't disbelieve because you only see through a glass darkly right now. Sometimes there are things that we don't understand. There are truths that we see in the mirror of the Word that we can't fully wrap our minds around. Sometimes the God whose reflection we see in the mirror works in a way that doesn't make sense to us and we can't make sense of it. And the devil comes and tempts us to doubt or tries to get us to turn our backs on our God to doubt His goodness toward us. Keep looking at the face in the mirror, the face of Jesus Christ. That's sufficient for this life. That's sufficient for facing any adversity, any trial, any pain, any sorrow, any suffering. Sufficient is the face of Christ in the mirror of the Word. See Him by faith. See His cross. See what He did for you. Suffering, dying, rising again so that one day you can see Him face to face. Stare at Christ in the mirror By the Spirit, you will find the strength to face anything. Walk by faith. Behold Christ in His Word. Now, until then. Now, until then, live by faith and live by hope. Hope of the glory of God that shall be shall be ours when we see Him face to face. Now we see through a glass darkly, yes, but even in this looking glass, we are given a dazzling glimpse of the glory that awaits the blessedness of heaven. This very text has given us a glimpse of that. The kingdom prepared for us before the foundation of the world, the imperishable inheritance stored up in heaven for us. That is our Hope. Our hope now. And that hope that we have now is a hope that will sustain and enable us to endure until then. Keep looking in the mirror. Keep beholding the face, the reflection of Jesus Christ there and the hope that is yours in Him. You can face even death or the death of the loved one. Because again, death is simply going to be with Christ so that you can see Him face to face. As the psalmist says in Psalm 17 verse 15, As for me, 
I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Faith and hope. Now until then. When our gaze is steadfastly fixed upon the face of Jesus Christ in the mirror of His Word, love, the love spoken about in this chapter will blossom in our hearts and in our lives. As we behold, even through a glass darkly, the love of the God who first loved us, we being changed by the Spirit from glory to glory, will more and more love Him with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves. When we gaze into the mirror and see the love of God in the face of Jesus Christ, you will love. You will want to love. Now, until then. You will find delight, meaning, Purpose, joy in serving the Lord who you know, you truly know and who you see, even though through a glass darkly, even though only in part now, love and you will serve Him with all of your heart. Eagerness for the day coming when that love will be made perfect. You'll see Him face to face in love. And know Him in love as He has eternally known you in love. With the vision here given of the glory to come, beloved, let us, now until then, walk in faith, hope, and love. Amen. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, Though we only see through a glass darkly, yet the mirror of thy word is sufficient to thrill our hearts with glimpses of the glory soon to come. Grant that this word may encourage us by showing us what is coming to us. The joy of life everlasting when we shall be face to face with thee. And may that truth encourage us now to be faithful, to keep our eyes fixed upon the face of Jesus Christ as revealed in thy word and to live according to that word, to walk in faith, hope, and in ardent Christian love. Grant this by thy spirit, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.